Amen. King of kings, the Lord of lords, loves each and every one of you and longs to move in your life, to transform your life, and then work through your life into the lives of other people. And uh, we talk about it all the time, about being on mission, about uh, allowing God to work through you and uh, being involved in the things that God is involved in. And, uh, and so we want to encourage you to do that. If you would, get a bulletin that are at uh, the doors, or you can go online and uh, check out our online bulletin at htbc.church. Lots of different ways to get involved. One of the ways we've asked you to get involved is through Change for Life. Uh, these are due today, and uh, we encourage you to bring them uh, today, or you can drop them off sometime this week uh, during office hours uh, here at the church offices, which are, by the way, at door number three now. Um, the offices all were moved uh, last week, and now are over at door number three and not over in the Family Life Center any longer. So I encourage you to be a part of that. The other thing you can do is, uh, if you want to get involved in a really amazing ministry, uh, the Hope Life Ministry and Hope Life Center is just an amazing way to do that. Back at the Welcome Center, there are these sheets, and uh, they are looking to hire some individuals, but also looking to uh, many, for many volunteers. And uh, there is information back there, and you can get that, and we'd encourage you to look into that. It's an amazing ministry. I encourage you to be uh, involved. We've been always talking about, and we continue to talk about reaching the 64%. There are in our area uh, many, many people who uh, say they have no religious activity whatsoever in their life, uh, and we want to be about sharing the good news of the gospel with them. And, uh, and so we give you many opportunities to do that. Uh, we're always looking for ways to create more opportunities to build bridges into our community. And, uh, and so I want to tell you about three that are uh, coming up that I'm going to ask you, if you would, to pray and uh, ask God, God, is this something you want me uh, to be involved in in one way or another? Um, there's lots of ways for you to get involved, but there is, uh, we want you to be led by God to do it. One of them is uh, what we're calling Mayfire, and uh, it is a ministry that is going to be to special needs kids uh, and their families, and uh, very, very excited about what God is doing um, and how God is working, uh, and we believe that God uh, wants us to minister to special needs kids and to their families, and, uh, and so we're looking at uh, beginning a ministry for that. Uh, there's going to be an informational meeting on March the 13th, a Sunday uh, afternoon at 4.30, and uh, we encourage you to come to that, be a part of that. Uh, if you can't uh, join us here, um, which is the ideal one, uh, we will have it available online uh, as well. And uh, we'll be meeting in the fellowship hall. And so if you would be praying about that. The second thing is uh, we call it care. And uh, it is uh, caring for those who uh, are caring for uh, people that have Alzheimer's, dementia, who have gone through loss, um, cancer, uh, all kinds of things, whatever different things that people might be dealing with in their lives. We want to come alongside of them and uh, support them, love on them, care for them. And uh, many people don't do that because they're not sure what to do or what to say. Our care ministry will equip you to be able to do that. And uh, on March 20th, uh, which is also a Sunday at 4.30 in the Fellowship Hall, uh, we'll be having an information meeting about that as well. And so uh, again, two ministry areas that you can get involved in, uh, be a part of, ask you to be praying about. The third is our fun funeral dinner ministry. Um, we have been doing this for years, but have had to take a break for the last uh, two years. We're going to be getting that revamped and going up again. 
And uh, if that's something that you're interested in, you're going to be hearing more about that as well. And so be praying, if you would, uh, about getting involved with that. If you would, please make sure that you update your profile on Breeze. Uh, That is our online directory. If you do not have a profile, you can create a profile by going to our website. And we encourage you to please do that. Um, This is not so that we can send you a bunch of information, put you on a mailing list, and then send you all kinds of stuff. That's not the point of it. We just would kind of like to know who's coming to Harvest Time, um, and we'd like to know your face. Uh, Like, who is this person? Like, or we got their name. Please don't put in your profile a dolphin for your picture, all right? (laughs) Or a a cute puppy or something like that. That's not your face. We need your face, all right? So, Please uh, take a picture of yourself and, uh, and, and then put it in there. And if you don't know how to do that, we have computers next door with people who are manning them. Uh, and we encourage you to come early before the service or right after the service and, uh, and get that done. And, uh, but you can do this all on your own. Those of you that are capable know how to do it. You've created other profiles online. It's not a hard thing to do. So go to our website. At the bottom of the page, it says update my profile or create a profile Please, if you would, do that. That would be awesome. If you give online, don't forget, next week is the last week you can give through Fellowship One. Uh, We'll be switching over to Breeze uh, for online giving, and so make sure that you are uh, getting yourself switched over or else, um, I don't know what else to tell you, but your giving will go into air or something. Anyway, I I have no idea, whatever. Um, The other thing is that we have our sharing and caring ministry. We're going to be doing the sharing and caring giveaway uh, which, again, is something we haven't been able to do the last two years. We're doing that uh, in May. And right now, the biggest need is they need boxes. So if you have boxes that are just sitting in your basement or in a garage somewhere or up in your attic or whatever, and you're like, I don't know what to do with these, um, perfect thing for you to do with them is bring them here and put them back by the garage door of the Family Life Center, which is that two-story building next door to us over here, um, a.k.a. the gym, and, uh, and we would use those boxes for storing stuff, um, and again, that's going to be coming up in May. Our Sharing and Caring Ministry is also partnering with local schools and providing snacks for kids, and uh, it is a ministry opportunity. It's a great way to build a bridge to our schools and uh, also those kids and their families, and uh, if you would, just put that on your regular grocery list uh, to pick up some granola bars or whatever, and, uh, and we encourage you to bring those. There's a little tote right out here at the Welcome Center, and we encourage you to drop that off. Next Sunday, this is really important for you guys because you guys have to come early. Um, and uh, by the way, first service says, boo-hoo, you have to come early. Um, so uh, they come at 8, all right? So they uh, are already here. You guys will have to come early because donuts are being served in between the two services. There will be no life groups. There will be no child care. It's together Sunday. So we're worshiping together. We're together as families. We're together as the whole body of Christ. And uh, Well, not the whole body of Christ. The whole body of Christ at harvest time. The whole body of Christ will never fit in here. But anyway, uh, we're going to be eating donuts together next Sunday. All right, some of you are excited about that. All right, cool. The rest of you need to get saved. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but seriously, you may be like, I don't like donuts. That's okay. We got bananas and apples and grapes and all that stuff that obviously I eat a lot of. Um, just kidding. Um, and uh, you guys can come and be a part of it, still fellowship, or you don't have to eat anything at all and just talk. 
that's okay too. Uh, Providing Hope Cafe will be open, and uh, and you can stop by there and get some coffee, and they have all kinds of other things, uh, frappuccinos, that sort of stuff that you can get. And remember, when you drink coffee, you provide hope, because what it does is it provides hope for people all around the world, uh, specifically in Honduras and, uh, and other ministries around the world. And so um, drink coffee, provide hope, and we encourage you to come. That will be being served between 9.15 and 10.45. So uh, come meet people from First Service. We kind of have like three churches going on in Har- at Harvest Time. We have First Service Church, Second Service Church, and then Online Church. And so all three don't know each other. Um, so that's why we're doing this, and we only do it once a quarter. Um, and so it's only one time uh, a quarter that we're asking you to come a little early. And like I said, First Service wanted me to make sure that you got their message. Boo-hoo. Um, you need to come early, all right? So come early. So that is, that is uh, next Sunday, and we encourage you to be involved in that. On Wednesdays, we have a thing called pray. Uh, it's exactly what it is. We pray. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, we get together, and we just pray. We pray for our community. We pray for our church. We pray for our nation. We pray for our world, and we pray for one another. And uh, we have been seeing God answer prayer um, and, uh, and doing some amazing things. Three people that were up on our board that we've been praying for for salvation have put their faith and trust in Christ in the last uh, two months. And, uh, and that's just been awesome to see. Um, other answered prayer, uh, we had someone that had a, a large mass on their kidney and was asking for us to pray. And this is a walnut-sized mass. That's not something you just like, that's not small, right? Um, she went back to get results, and it was gone, like gone. Um, and the doctors are like, we don't know how to explain this. And she's like, I can. It's God. <laughs> Simple as that. Um, and so God is, is answering prayer, and uh, it's awesome to be a part of that, and we encourage you to come be a part of that at 630 in the fellowship hall, door number two. Uh, just remember, number two, my Lord, um, just remember that. And, uh, and if you remember that, then uh, that's good because that's where we meet. Um, so go through no- door number two uh, or the fellowship hall, and that's where we pray. I want to give you some names. Would you write these names down? Pray for these folks, please. Dick Skates, David O'Neill, Sean Mateel, uh, Gene and Alice Dalton. Uh, ask you guys to be lifting up them all in uh, just a, I all have health-related issues that are going on. Ask you guys to be praying for them. Amber Russ also is going to be having radiation treatment. Um, ask you guys to be praying for Amber. Uh, Bev Naylor, um, which Shelby Kaler's daughter, or daughter, her sister, um, she is uh, not doing well. Actually, it looks like most of her systems are shutting down. Um, but ask you guys to be praying, if you would, for Bev Naylor, for Shelby, and for their family. Hey, we always do this in a service. We take a moment and uh, sort of dare you guys to ask God to speak um, to your heart. But would you be willing just to quietly right now, bow your head, close your eyes, and just talk to God and say, God, speak to my heart. God, thank you that you are a good and gracious king and that you are the one true living God who can actually do something about what we're praying. You can actually change our life. You can actually speak to our heart. Some of us 
here don't really fully understand that. We don't fully grasp that. But God, I pray today that you would make it really clear to them. And God, for those of us who we know what that means, I I pray that we would not harden our hearts toward you. That we'd be willing to listen to what it is that you have to speak to us about. And that not only would we listen, but we would apply it. We'd do something about it. God, thank you that you desire to transform each of our lives and that you are doing that. Whether, whether we want to admit it or not, whether we want to acknowledge that you're at work in our life, God, the truth is you are. We wouldn't be here if you weren't. So every single person that's here is not here by accident. They're here because you purposed for them to be here. So Lord, um, speak to our hearts. You know the needs. You know what's going on in each of our lives. There's not a thing happening in our life that you don't know about. You're not caught off guard. Nothing has surprised you. And yet, God, you see my heart, you see my my life, and you still love me. Wow. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you can be king of each one of our lives. God, I pray that that would be so today. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And very, very, again, these words, think about it, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your work is not in vain. You know, as you think about that verse, as you think about the words of that verse, are they true of you? Are they your heart's desire? Is it what you long for to be steadfast and movable, always, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not sometimes, not once in a while, not just on Sundays, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that in the Lord our work is not in vain. That is what it means to be resolute for God. That is what it means to be steadfast for him, immovable for him. That is what it means to be purposed for God, to be unswerving in our desire to serve him, is that as we, as we strive to live for him, that we're being steadfast and movable, that we're being resolute in our character, resolute in our living. That like Daniel, we're striving to live for God. Is that, is that the hunger of your life? Is that the desire of your life? Are you desiring to be resolute for God? Are you willing to, to live like Daniel and his friends? Now, I know it's not the exact same. We're not being ushered off into a Babylonian kingdom or anything like that. But, but are you willing to live like them, obeying God, saying yes to God? And, and, and as we continue to think about this, we've been looking at Daniel chapter 1. So if you would, turn there, Daniel chapter 1. And the things that we've been looking at and realizing that these are the areas, these are the things that we must be resolute about in our life. If we're going to live for God, then these truths must be evident in our life, must be what we're striving for in our life. And number one is this, God is in control. God is in control. Some of you control freaks, this is really hard for you. Some, of, some that are here that are like, you know what, I just do what I want, when I want, whatever. You're actually saying to God, I'm in control. And the reality is, is you are not. You have no idea what 
today will bring. You have no idea what the next five minutes will bring. You have no idea what later on today will bring. You don't know. But we act like we do. We act like we've got it all figured out. We act like we're in control. You're not. God is in control. The circumstances that are going on around us, the stuff that's happening in our world, God is in control of all of it. What's happening in Russia and Ukraine, God is in control. God is in control of every single thing that's going on in this world. We can trust him. We can relax and and know God has got this. God is in control. Now, when I say relax, I don't mean that. That that means we just sort of brush it off and act like, ah, it's no big deal, doesn't bother me, doesn't affect me, doesn't whatever. That's not what I'm saying. That doesn't mean that you get to be apathetic or aloof from it. It just means that, you know what, I'm going to trust God in the midst of it. I'm going to trust God with what's going on in my life. I'm going to trust God with what's, what's happening. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know why it's happening, but I'm going to trust God. Why? Because God is in control. And he tells us he's in control through his word. And so number two is that God's word is truth. As we look at God's word being truth, it's truth for all people at all times in all circumstances. God's word is truth. And if we'll apply it to our lives, God has promised to bless us in our lives. The problem is, is that we want to try to define what that blessing looks like. And you don't get to do that. You know why? Because you're not God. And you're not in control. God's in control. He's the one that gets to define that. And, it's, and the definitions of what that is, is in his word. God's word is truth. And if it's in God's word, then it should matter to us. Why? Because if it matters to God, it should matter to us. If it matters to God, it should matter to us. The things that break the heart of God, do they break your heart? The things that rejoice the heart of God, do they rejoice your heart? Do the the commands, the different things that God has given us through his word, are they something that you're striving to obey in your life? What matters to God should always matter to me. And ultimately, God is concerned about some things in your life. Number one, your character. Your character matters to God. The way you live, the things you do, the stuff that you're a part of, how you define yourself, all that stuff, your character, who you are when no one else is looking, God cares about that. And it matters to him. Your character matters to him. Your relationships matter to God. The relationships that you have with other people matter to God. You were designed, created for relationship. Why do I know that? Because you're created in the image of God. And God, as a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are in relationship with one another. And God not only wanted to be in relationship with his Son and with the Father and the Holy Spirit, but he also desires to be in relationship with us. And he created man in his image. He created us in his image. And here's the thing. He created you for relationships with other people. Not just with Buffy. Not just with Fido. Not just with a guinea pig or a snake or whatever it is that you like that's an animal. When the Bible, when the Bible makes it very clear in Genesis, as, as Adam has named all of these different creatures, he says it is not good that man is alone. He had all these animals around him. Man is alone. That's not good. I'm going to create for him a woman. I don't know about you. I'm really glad that happened. 
super glad that happened. But anyway, we'll, that, we'll leave that for a topic for another day. Um, you were created for relationship. You were created for relationship. And your relationships matter to God. And then Aaron talked about this last week, that your identity, who you believe you are, matters to God. And the truest things about you are not what the world says. The truest things about you are not even what you think about you. The truest things about you are not what other people tell you. The truest things about you are what God says about you. Why? Because he's your creator. And he didn't mess up. He did not mess up when he made you. God loves you. God adores you. God looks at you and he's enthralled with you. You were created in his image. The Bible even says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows that. Do you know that? Your identity, who you are in Christ, who you are to God matters to God. Matters to God. Today, all of this lines up to, the, to what we're going to talk about today. Because all of this really impacts what we're going to talk about today. The way you live, the way you live your life matters to God. The way you live matters to God. You guys kind of look like you're a little bit sleepy, so here's what I want you to do. Turn somebody to your left, to your right, someone behind you or in front of you, and tell them, tell them that, tell them the way you live matters to God. Say it to them. Tell them. There you go. Waking up. That's good. The way you live matters to God. The way you live matters to God. Think about that. I read this past week about a redwood, a 400-year-old redwood tree out in California that suddenly and without warning toppled to the florist floor. What caused the death of such a majestic giant? Was it fire, lightning, strong wind? As they examined this tree a little bit closer, they found a very startling thing. Tiny beetles had crawled under the bark and literally eaten the fibers away from the inside. Although it looked healthy on the outside, on the inside it was virtually hollow, and one day it finally collapsed. The truth of the matter is, in every single one of our lives, that same thing can happen in our lives as we say no to God and we say yes to ourselves, or we say no to God and we say yes to other people. When we're living for other people, when we're living for ourselves and not living for God, you know what the Bible says that is? That's sin. You cannot do that and live for God, you must be willing to say, what I'm living for is God. Will I love other people? Will I care about other people? Will I, will I invest my life in other people? Yes, but not because of other people, because of God. Are you living your life for God? Or are you living your life for yourself? And the truth is, is that if you're living for yourself, what you're doing is you're sinning against God, and that is eroding the inside of your life to the point that you will be hollow and it will destroy you. Satan's desire, the great enemy of God, is to destroy your life. And the way that he will destroy your life is little bit by little bit by little bit. 
Each little compromise adds up, and over time, it will destroy you. That's why the Bible says that sin seems good for a season. Because it does. I mean, sin seems good. It feels good. It may look good. It may feel right. But it is sin against God. And it is destroying your life from the inside out. And that's not what God wants. That's not what God desires for your life. God desires to give you life and to give it to you more abundant. God desires that you would live for him. See, here's the thing. Godly living yields God-given results. And the opposite is true, too. You say no to God, or if you say, I'm going to live for myself, or I'm going to live for this person or that person, that also is going to yield results in your life. Satan's desire is to destroy you. Not just mess you up, destroy you. Absolutely, totally destroy you. And that's what sin will do. Sin will destroy your life. And that's not what Daniel could do. That's not what his friends could do. They would not say yes to letting sin into their life. They would not compromise They would not let sin compromise their life. And if you think about it, as we are talking about Daniel, this one decision, this one decision not to defile themselves with the king's food, this one thing would be the very foundation that would build their life for the next 60 years of their life. And here we are, 2,500 years later, talking about Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But I guarantee you this, if they had chosen in that moment to defy God, we would not even be talking about them. There would be no mention of them. There would be no book of Daniel. There would be no reason to write about Daniel and his life because they would just be another individual in the Babylonian Empire who just decided to go along with whatever it was that was okay at the time and say no to God and say yes to themselves. And you know what? It would have impacted their life just as it does for them to say yes. So they said, yes, God, I want to live for you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to live for you. And it would impact their life over and over and over again, even in the face of death, even in the face of difficulty, even in the face of of uncertainty and uncertain things that would happen to them. They said yes to God. Because here's the truth. Here's Here's the reality Nowhere in this life are you promised that everything's going to work out. Nowhere in this life are you promised not to have trouble. Actually, the Bible even says the more money you have, the more problems you're going to have. The Bible makes it clear that, that you are going to have trouble in this life. And here's the reality that I know for every one of you. You have faced trouble in your life. Or you're facing trouble right now in your life. Life is not trouble free. And no matter what the world says, no matter what it says about money, no matter what it says about possessions, no matter what it says about happiness, the reality is is that that can be here today and gone tomorrow. But what's eternal will last. Daniel and his friends knew what was eternal as God. And they wanted to obey God, and they strove to obey God. 
and they realize this truth in their life because the blessing of God is more important than the approval of people. See, which are you living for? You, you living for the first half or are you living for the second half? The blessing of God or the approval of people? Daniel and his friends realized the blessing of God is more important than the approval of people. Why? Because the way you live matters to God. And how did they learn that? How did they know that, that obeying God was an important part of their life and would be the most important, the pinnacle of their life? How would they know that? They would know that because they were taught the Torah. They were taught the law. They were taught the Shema, which is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you want, you can turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in here, Moses writes, by inspiration of God in his life, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Here it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And then jump up to verse 24. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our Listen to this, for our good always. For our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. Look what it will be. It will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. For our good, always. See, here's here's part of the problem. We want to define that. That was the problem for Israel. Israel would look at all of the nations around them and see all the wealth of Pharaoh, see all the wealth of Babylon, see all of the good things that they would say are good. And you know what had happened? Every single time they would start chasing those things instead of God. And every single time God would have to bring judgment on their lives. Not because he wanted to, but because he loves them. Because the Bible makes it clear that a father who loves his children will discipline his children. I don't know how many of y'all grew up in a home where if you did something wrong... You got discipline. I know I did. Like, I mean, like, big time. Like, you know, it was belt time. Uh, and, uh, 
that was okay back when I was a kid. Um, and and I, I, I turned out okay, I think. I turned out all right. But man, it, it was not fun. Dude, like if, when, I dis- when I disobeyed mom or dad, it was not good. Not good at all. But when I obeyed, when I did what they asked me to do, man, it was well in our house. It went well. God is not different. When we do not obey him, yes, he is full of grace. Yes, he is full of mercy. Yes, he continues to pour that out on us. But to think somehow that we can escape his discipline because we just want to live how we want to live. We just be free how we want to be free. You can go through this entire life and understand one day you will stand before God and you will give an account for every single thing that you have done. So you may get away with it on this earth, but you will not get away with it in eternity. You will not. So keep playing the game like you're okay and act like you're okay when inside you're actually a hollow out mess and you know it. That's not what God wants. And how you live matters to God. And what he wants us to do is to obey him. Not because we have to, not because he's forcing us to, but simply because I want to. I don't know about y'all, but, but in our house, five kids, we not only disciplined them when they did wrong, but we also would discipline them if they did it and they said, okay, I'll do that, but they did it with the wrong heart attitude. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody, anybody ever done something with the wrong heart attitude? Don't raise your hands, please. I see y'all looking at each other, too. You need to stop that. I, I mean, I, I know as a kid I would do that, right? Yes, ma'am, okay, I'll do that. But under my breath, I'm mumbling the whole time. That is not the right heart attitude, y'all. That is not. And so we would try to train our kids not only obey, but obey with the right heart attitude. And you know what? Let's be honest. We still struggle with that. I struggle with that. Anybody else? Still struggle with that as an adult? You don't have to raise your hands. It's okay. God knows. So we need to obey. You're like, well, that's nice. That was written, that's Deuteronomy, that's Old Testament. So that was written to Israel, and that just only applies to Israel. And, and uh, it really doesn't apply to me. And, and I'm not just talking about you, Israel. I'm talking about um, uh, Israel, the nation. Sorry, Israel, I didn't mean to point you out. Um, but... Uh, so you guys are like, okay, well, what about the New Testament? What, is, what does the New Testament have to say? All right, that's cool. Uh, turn to First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 4. Oh, and by the way, um, there's a pretty famous dude that said the same thing that I just read. His name starts with J and ends with Jesus. Anybody know? Jesus. Uh, d- did he not say when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We just read that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, by the way. And then he adds to it, and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus quotes from the Shema, quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. So you're like, mm, I'm not sure it applies to me. Y- yes, it does. Oh, and then Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, check us out. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. 
For know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. What instruction? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That instruction. Check this out. You're asking, maybe you're one of those people who's always like, what's the will of God for my life? Look at verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. We read in in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that it would be counted to us as righteousness. Another word for righteousness is sanctification. Another word for that is holiness. Another word for that is purity. All of that means, yes, God, no sin. Yes, I will serve you, God. Yes, I will obey you, God. No, I will not sin against you, God. Daniel and his friends, that's exactly what they did. Yes, God, no sin. And you know what? God blessed them. God did amazing things in and through their lives. And you say, you say well, okay, that's nice. I want you to read on, verse 7. For God has not called us for impurity. In other words, God has not called us to live in sin. But notice what he says, but in holiness. God has designed you, God has created you to not live in sin, but to live in holiness. To live saying no to sin and saying yes to him. And you're like, I'm not sure I like that. I'm not sure I like you. I, I yell a lot. Like you, 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 I don't even like the way you're dressed right now. I don't care what you think. Honestly, I'm, I'm secure in my identity in Christ. Like, you can be upset at me about what I'm saying and all this kind of stuff, but underneath saying something, your problem is not with me. Look at verse 8. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Your problem isn't with me. Your problems with God. I've just been reading to you the word of God, telling you the word of God. So you can be mad at me. You can be upset at me. You can be like, oh, man, this is just drop kicking me in my soul. That's not me. You give me way too much credit. I cannot do that. That is God drop kicking you in your soul. You're like, oh, this hits me in the feels. I, I cannot do that. That is God doing that. And your issue is not with me, your issue is with God. So if you don't like the fact that what I'm saying to you is that God wants you to live for him and not live for yourself, not live for sin, your issue's not with me, your issue's with God. So, so what can you do about it? Again, looking at Daniel, Daniel chapter one, verse eight, he says, I resolve in my heart not to defile myself. It has to be a heart decision. If it's not a heart decision, it'll never last. If it's not from your heart, it will never last. Are you willing to surrender your heart to God? And then secondly, what does Daniel do? He gets really specific about what it is that he's going to do. I will not defile myself with this food or with this drink. Can I ask you a question? What sin is keeping you from living for God. What sin? Maybe it's your words. Maybe it's your actions. 
Maybe it's the way you treat other people. Maybe it's the way you look at other people. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that if you say you love God and yet hate your brother, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. So if you say, I love God, but I hate my Democrat or Republican neighbor. Let's just get real. I love God, but I don't love that homosexual guy over there. I love God, but I can't handle that transgender individual over here. My friend, you cannot say you love God and hate somebody else. Period. And if you do, my friend, you do not have a problem with me. You have a problem with God. With God. So take it to God. We're to love people. We're we're to help people see the truth of God. How is that possible if we're so busy hating people and hating on people? It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Does that mean that we don't stand for That is not what I'm saying. Not what I'm saying at all. Yes, we stand on the word of God. Yes, we stand for truth. But we do it in a loving, compassionate way, just like Jesus. And if you're going to go to Jesus and say, oh, but Jesus did this. Mm. Who was he confronting when he, went, when he went off on some people? Man, it was religious people. Mm. I'm getting off on a tangent. We got to stop. Sorry. No, I'm not. Uh, Here it is. Bottom line. Come back to it. The way you live matters to God. It does. And like David, I wonder, would you be willing to pray this prayer, Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Unfortunately for David, there came a moment in his life where he didn't do that. He didn't do that. And he sinned against a holy and just and righteous God. But you know what's beautiful about that? Is that God confronted him, forgave him, and poured out his grace and mercy on him. And David was still called a man after God's own heart. Listen, I don't know where you're at in your walk. I don't know where you're at in your life. But here's what I do know. If you are sinning against God, there is forgiveness for you, my friend. That's why Jesus died on the cross and rose again, so that he can forgive you of your sin. And he can make you right. Now notice, I didn't say he's going to set all your circumstances right. Mm -mm. The thief on the cross still died on that cross. But he went to be with Jesus in heaven that moment that he died. David, Yes, he got his life right with God, but man, were there consequences? You betcha. There is for sin. God doesn't say he'll erase all that. 
Basically, what he does say is he'll wipe slate, clean the slate of your life, the heart, heart slate. He'll wipe that clean and make you new. Aren't you glad that the way you live matters to God? Listen, I asked you earlier to ask God to speak to your heart. I'm wondering, what did he say? What did God say to you? What is God telling you you need to do? Would you guys just close your eyes, bow your head? There's two, two guys that are going to get baptized here in a moment, so I'm going to ask them to go ahead and come on while everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed. And if you guys go ahead and go through this door right here behind the drums. We have a, this morning, it's so, so beautiful. We have a living testimony of two young guys who are saying, I want to live for Jesus. I love Jesus. This morning, we had four ladies who said, yes, I'm living for Jesus, and they, they're getting baptized as testimony of that. That's what this is all about, right, is living for him. Again, your eyes are closed, heads are bowed. You're thinking about what it is that God is speaking to you about. What is he telling you? What does he want you to do? Make a heart decision. Be specific. God's desire is that you'd be resolute and live for him. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for all that you have done in our lives and what you're going to do continually through our lives. I pray that we would surrender our heart to you, that we would give you our life and let you work in and through us. God, you are good. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name.